This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, you are looking thinner than usual. Is that true? No. <laughs> my shirt's bigger. You're just Actually, wearing bigger I'm just shirts. wearing like a, a no, shirt I heard that's like a uh, we live in We live in craft beer city, uh, Vancouver. That's right. Uh, and uh, you're a fan of the craft beer. I am. And I hear that you've uh, given up craft beer. I have given it up for at least the next week, I okay. think. I'm eight days in. Uh, I'm exploring uh, fake craft beers or fake near beers. Well, it's funny. We went. We all went out for a bite to eat. There was a big group of us the other night, and nobody And is, I drove. And Well, yeah, you drove, but also I think three people at our table got near beers. Yeah. This has got to be the new... This is. I, I'm not alone in this. This has got to be a trend where everybody is moving towards near beers. It's probably part age. Do you think age. that's... I, I don't know. I think it's got to be part age, part health. But I think that zeitgeist is like in our immediate group. I don't, I don't think Really? That. Well, here, listen to this. I went into the independent grocery store on Davie Street yesterday. Okay. I used to go there all the time, say, two years ago. You don't live in that area anymore. I don't live in that area anymore. They used to have one type of near beer or fake beer. Okay. I was in there yesterday that they had like nine different near beers. Wow. So. What are you drinking? The selection. What is the beer? This one out of Germany is the best one. Okay. I Yeah, I've, I've got Klaus, that. Klaus Hauster. Klaus Hauster, something like that. Know. Anyway, it's a fantastic near beer. There's another IPA near beer apparently now. Oh, it's Partake. 
partake. You buy IPA. that one at Whole Foods. I haven't tried that, but it's supposed to be very good. I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely be trying it. But yeah. anyways, we're uh, yeah. You're looking you're looking a little you're looking less shedded, bloated. Shedded three pounds. Matt, the Scalina boys are often known as having a sheath of meringue. <laughs> yeah, all three. Uh, so who do we got on the podcast today? We've got Duncan Vladarchak, Vice President of Urban Land Institute, BC. Super interesting guy. Yeah, the thing that's interesting about the Urban Land Institute, not to be confused with the Urban Development Institute, is it's a global organization uh, that we actually were kind of vaguely familiar with. But, right. But Duncan is, uh, you know, he works at Ani, uh, but he's wearing his Urban Land Institute hat today. And basically what they're doing is they're interested in livable cities. Right. And making cities more livable. And they're really focused on the ideas. So it's not a lobby organization. It's really about putting, getting in front of people that make decisions and bringing these ideas to the fore. It's an ideal time to have Duncan on the show because we have a civic election coming up. Right. And housing is kind of of crucial importance. And Duncan and the folks over at the Urban Land Institute are bringing out all the the most important ideas and the ways to shape Vancouver in the best positive direction. So yeah. it's exciting to have them on. Yeah, and we're we're one of those cities. We're striving to be the most livable city in the world, like uh, your Calgary, Alberta. Cal- <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. know why I'm laughing so hard there, but I think Calgary. We both have done. Uh, we both a, done ten year sojourns <laughs> sojourns in Calgary, Alberta. Yeah, uh, it, it's a fantastic city. It, it is a fantastic city, but it just beat out Toronto and Vancouver. That's a bit it might much. be a stretch. That's a stretch. Might be a stretch. Uh, yeah, I was struck. I was just in Calgary, and you know, I'm always struck uh, compared to other cities that I traveled through on my. A trek across the country. Sure. Calgary is a very clean city. Yeah. Um, very it livable. It seems very, very livable, very kind of uh, of the age, but man, the freeways. Right. I really feel like you you cannot do a lot in Calgary without a car, which in sure. my mind is kind of, you know, uh, walkability is livability. Yeah. I would, yeah. And I mean, I think, I, I don't know. I didn't look at the, uh, the indicators that they use for the, well, that was the economist, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I didn't look at the indicators, but I'm sure that there's something about affordability in there as well. And Calgary is, is relatively affordable, all things considered, right? I mean, you, you know, well, yeah. you can get a detached house for half a million bucks and you can, uh, you know, you can get a condo for a couple hundred grand. And, you know, you're you're an hour away from Banff. I mean, there's it's a, beautiful. There's a, there's a lot going on in Calgary. It's a it's a it's yeah. one of the most livable cities in the world. No disrespect, Calgary listeners. That's right. I know there's a few. But uh, what else we got, Matt? Yeah, before we cut to our discussion with Duncan, I mean, Adam, we talk to realtors all the time. We know a lot of realtors uh, listen to this show. Sure. So this is a perfect venue to shout out Gina Wagstaff over at drivethehive.ca. Yeah, I mean, drivethehive.ca, they do document management, coordination of services, client coordination. They're basically doing all the back end with no overhead for realtors. So, I mean, this is great. You know what this is perfect for? And it, a lot of people, I mean, we have a team, we've we've have backend staff um, already in place, um, but Gina does consulting, but it's also great for realtors that are just looking for assistance, but they don't want the overhead yet. Maybe they're not at the point in their business. They're kind of haven't reached that critical point that they can afford to have somebody on a regular salary basis. Exactly. It's perfect for that. And she's fantastic. So check out drivethehive.ca and tell her that we sent you. Yeah, absolutely. Can't say enough about drivethehive.ca. For sure. Anyway, let's cut to our discussion with Duncan Vladarchak from the Urban Land Institute. This is a good one. Enjoy.
Okay, we're here with Duncan Vlodarchak. He is the Vice Chair of Urban Land Institute, BC. How are you doing, Duncan? I'm well, thanks. How are you? Doing well. Uh, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, yeah, good to have you on. Not a problem. So, Duncan, can you maybe start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. So, as you mentioned, uh, I'm the Vice Chair of the Urban Land Institute of British Columbia. Uh, it's uh, obviously a volunteer role that I- I've served in. I think I'm in about year two, year two or three, I can't quite remember, and I've Volunteered for a number of years with the organization, and then professionally, I'm uh, the chief of staff at the Awning Group. I've been, I've been here about uh, about a year and a half, and so I sort of spend my time. Obviously, a lot of it is around work, but I do spend a considerable amount of time with ULI because you know I think it's a great organization to be a part of, and and we are able to contribute a lot to to our membership and to the community through that organization. So, and you're from Vancouver, Duncan. I am. I grew up in Richmond. Uh, actually, but, uh, born and raised in Richmond. And then I moved uh, to, I live in the West End. I moved downtown maybe about 10 years ago. And I've been in the West End that entire time. And don't want to plan on leaving, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a lot of um, uh, a lot of our, the people that listen to, to our show have heard of UDI, the Urban Development Institute. Uh, I'm not sure that as many people are familiar with the Urban Land Institute. Can you tell us a little bit about the Urban Land Institute and maybe how it's different and why it's important? Sure. I mean, I mean, the fundamental difference between uh, an organization like UDI and, and ULI, although the acronyms are similar, is that, you know, UDI obviously is an advocacy group. They're meant to represent the industry, advocate for the industry, sort of like uh, a trade association, whereas ULI is a nonprofit, it's uh, education, uh, research-based, it's a global organization, whereas UDI is a local organization. So we, you know, we're just one what's called a district council among you know dozens and dozens uh, within the United States and Canada, and it's actually also a global organization. So the fastest growing areas uh, are like in Asia and in Europe. There's members. Uh, I'm so I think they used to say there's members in almost every country and every continent other than Antarctica. But uh, you know, it 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 is more about trying to uh, develop uh, leadership and uh, educate our members. It is member-driven as opposed to corporate-driven. So what that means is, you know, for example, I, I'm an ONI, and so I am a member, whereas ONI is not a member. But, you know, there's other employees within ONI that, that would be members, just like other organizations, uh, uh, both public, private, and nonprofit. I think uh, it is a more diverse membership. As I, you know, obviously, like I just said, there's public, private, nonprofit. We have architects, planners, accountants, lawyers, uh, obviously developers, city planners, uh, you know, elected officials. And uh, so I think locally that would be the biggest difference other than, of course, that global reach. You know, uh, so someone like myself, I volunteer obviously a lot locally, but I'm on a, a number of different committees or I attend different events uh, in other other cities other jurisdictions, most obviously for me, mostly in America and, and Canada. And I think, you know, if you're wanting wanting to be a part of an organization like ULI, it's because of that. It's those connections you make uh, outside of Metro Vancouver, outside of uh, British Columbia. And, and presumably it's a really good um, network for sharing kind of ideas and, and to keep abreast of kind of the cutting edge thought. Absolutely. I mean, I think you you obviously you get a lot of uh, networking and you uh, knowledge uh, from the membership locally, but uh, you also because if you're particularly if you're a member or a full member, you get either access to various 
publications, you get Urban Land Magazine, you get to attend conferences, you, uh, you know, it's kind of like being part of a club almost, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, obviously, Ani is in a number of different markets, uh, for example, within the US. And so when I first started Ani and started traveling to these other cities, I was able to reach out to uh, staff or members of ULI in those uh, municipalities. And sort of say, hey, you know, I'm coming into town. I'd like to meet some people and, you know, grow their network. Right. We were, for example, the, we have these two big meetings. They're called the spring meeting and the fall meeting. And they're, and they're big conferences. You know, I like to compare it to sort of in size. The Winter Olympics is the spring meeting. And the Summer Olympics is the fall meeting. And these are, you know, three, four, five, six thousand people show up to these conferences. And so you get access to this great network of people that maybe, you, if, particularly if you're a company that does business in other uh, jurisdictions, you're able to make new relationships, make new business partners, uh, people that you you can do deals with, or just trying to get a better sense of the local market. Right. And I think uh, so. It is it's a fabulous way to grow your network, uh, certainly within Vancouver, but also outside of it. And and so, can you tell us, Duncan? Is, so, what other areas in BC are you guys um, focused on, or is it just primarily Vancouver? I mean, obviously, the vast majority of the membership is in Metro Vancouver. Um, you know, we do have members in Victoria. In the past, we've tried to sort of expand there. You do need a champion. I mean, it is primary, It is volunteer-driven. I mean, we do have one full-time staff person here. We're, we're hoping to expand. But it is about the volunteers who are willing to sort of see the value, take up that leadership position. And so we, we have had some success in Victoria, although not recently. And then in the Okanagan, we had a, we had a small constituency there that hosted, you know, a variety of events, uh, a little less so recently, although we do have intention. To, to reach back out into that because obviously that's an important part of the, the region. I mean, it'd be great to expand all the way up through different parts of British Columbia, but again, you're, you're hampered by your ability uh, to find those volunteers who are willing to contribute, you know, multiple hours a week or a month uh, across the entire year to try and drive forward the mission of ULI. Right. And can you just kind of speak a little bit more about the mission so, or the specific goals of, of ULI? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at a at a macro level, you know, uh, ULI as an organization, you know, they say it, it wants to be um, the leader in uh, within the industry. Again, the industry being a broad term, and it's uh, a global nonprofit, education research based, focused on you know the tagline is a, 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 a sustainable land use practices and sustainable land use. I think you know over time, uh, I've participated in some of these discussions at at these meetings. Is they're trying to refine that. So really, I think. At a high level, is ULI is about excellence in city building, whether that's in within your local municipality, within the region, within the, in our case a province or in the U.S. A state or or within a country. And so the focus really is about trying to train uh, people, train our members to be the best they can be as professionals in that core principle, which is that excellence in city building. So a lot of time is spent researching what that means. Uh, taught working with each other to try and uh, build partnerships to have that excellence in city building and giving our members the ability to contribute in that way. Locally, we do focus on that. And as we sort of hone down, we focus on obviously that leadership piece. We focus a lot on young leaders. So that's our members under 35, uh, trying to give them the the skills, the networking, the growth that they need to be uh, better professionals. We focus on getting more. uh, We have a women's leadership initiative. So that's where we try and support women, both as members, but just generally within the industry, getting more people, women in the industry, getting them into more senior roles, again, within the organization or just generally within the industry. We focus on thought leadership. Obviously, that's a broad term. So each year we kind of 
um, focus in, you know, obviously for a number of years, the focus has been on, you know, affordability, housing, partnerships uh, to sort of address that that big urban issue. But in the past, you know, we focused on transportation, we focused on waterfront development, uh, you know, um, we focused on trying to have a better relationship with the community. What that means to to us right now, anyways, is trying to break down those barriers between, you know, let's say the private industry and the nonprofit sector, between private industry and government at uh, various levels. And uh, obviously to grow uh, the knowledge base of our members on how we can contribute to the, to the community through a bunch of different programs that I'm, I'm happy to go into detail if you want. But I mean, I think at, at its core, it is about that excellence in city building. Right. So one thing that struck me there, Duncan, was this idea of the the trying to build bridges between uh, the non not for profit sector and private industry. And I'm always struck by kind of the the hostility uh, between kind of different um, groups that uh, that are trying mm-hmm. to kind of help build and push the ball forward in Vancouver. Do you have any thoughts on why those kind of walls are so Stark. Yeah, I mean, I think at a at a what we have found when we we and we've had success here um, was when we initially started making a foray into that that sort of trying to, to develop those partnerships was there was a bit of a distrust between you know nonprofits between the people who volunteer there the people who work there and private industry uh, you know why exactly I don't know I'm sure there's lots of theories on why that could be I think. At the end of the day, it is just about not understanding that while, you know, obviously when you're in the private sector, if you're a private developer, let's say your, your, your mission is, is to grow your business, to, right. to make, uh, get, get capital, make money, whereas a nonprofit is more mission driven around, you know, whatever their particular mission is. So it could be delivering, uh, you know, let's say housing for single mothers, delivering housing for people with physical or mental disabilities. And so I think there is at its core not understanding that while your missions aren't aligned from a uh, on a fundamental level, it doesn't mean you can't find good partnerships to help accomplish mutual goals. And, you know, as an example, we have this program called the Technical Assistance Panel, Technical Advisory Panel, depending on who asked the task. Um, that was about going out to these organizations and working with them and bringing in, we said, look, we have this expertise. We partnered with CMHC, Canadian Mortgage Housing Corporation, and they helped fund these TAPs with these nonprofits to say, you have this land, let us give our members to you for a day and a half. These are our members volunteer for that time and sort of go through, okay, well, what are you hoping to do with that land? We have some expertise let's try and show you some different options. And once we started doing that, we found those uh, organizations that we work with started to build trust at the very least with those members. And that's mm-hmm. something we've continued to push and in fact want to expand. So uh, kind of along those lines, um, I was struck by this idea of sustainable land use. How, how does, what are the most important questions uh, along those lines facing Vancouver today? And, and obviously there's a, an election coming up. Uh, so where are you guys kind of focused yeah, I mean, it, it's funny. It depends on which city you're in, obviously, but I think the consensus generally is, you know, that mixed use uh, and mixed use from a land use perspective, but also mixed income, mixed um, employment and jobs and, you know, that work with play kind of thing, you know, access to transit, that walkability, making complete communities. And I think as you, whether you're in Vancouver or whether you're in, you know, Carlson, 
uh, South Carolina, they, they, those principles generally are the same. How they're executed obviously vary. I mean, even within the region, that varies a bit. But I think what we found over and over, whether you look at pouring over the research within ULI's database, flying in experts, talking to uh, uh, local elected officials, talking with people in the private sector, I think there is a general consensus that those complete communities that give you access to all those things, give you access to those amenities, and allow you to sort of walk or transit or bike, that at its core is is the goal. And, you know, obviously in Metro Vancouver, those areas that do that best are the most attractive. Because they're the most attractive, they start to get expensive. You know, there's competition for that space, and then that causes tension. And I think that's why you're seeing, despite us roughly being in agreement that that's the best way to build communities, it's the, the, the challenge of actually executing that can cause friction within communities, between the industry and the city, between the industry and elected officials. And so that's what we try and do is, again, whether that's through TAPS or something different, again, different events we posted, trying to break down those barriers to talk about how we can work together to address those issues and create those spaces. Yeah, but it's it's kind of interesting that Vancouver is almost a victim of its own success in a lot of ways, right? Like the the communities that are 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 yeah. <laughs> are illustrating kind of the way that uh, cities should be functioning in terms of the way you're talking here. It seems like the prices go up and. And that's where the problems lie. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to really argue with that. I mean, back in so sort of four years ago, we hosted one of the ULI spring meetings. And so you had, you know, tons of, you know, thousands of our members from across North America flew in for that. And a lot of them had never been, most of them had never been to Vancouver before. And they sort of were all stunned. And, you know, obviously we know, you know, the mountains, the ocean, the beauty, the walkability, the seawall, all those things. And so for them, they're like, well, this is maybe an attractive place to come and invest and do business. Because who wouldn't want to live here? Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? And exactly, you're exactly right. It's in some ways very much a victim of its own success, of its own attractiveness. And I think we're we're obviously seeing that challenge across the board, right? And whether you're looking at it from a macro level, like Metro Vancouver generally, or a micro level, right down to certain neighborhoods of certain municipalities. So Duncan, so in that same vein, talking about you know ULI is obviously a global organization. It's it's full of real estate thought leaders. How is Vancouver perceived within the global context at ULI, and you know where are we valued and where are we perhaps faulted? I mean, I, I from a you know from a sheer you know from a planning perspective, from a best practices perspective, it's right in the top. I mean, you, you travel to, you know, I, I go to each year, I go to the BOSA meetings and you talk to people that might know of Vancouver or have been to Vancouver once. And, you know, they, they everyone says the same thing. There's just not a lot of places like it, if any. Uh, and whether that's obviously the natural beauty that's there or the, the way we've approached planning. And when we talk to them about, you know, how we, how the city works with the industry to help make sure there's those amenities, how we try and have the mix of, uh, incomes within uh, within the housing stock within those buildings, you know, or right down to how we're, you know, planning our streets and our, and, you know, bike lanes and whatever, it it is unique to to the ULI network of, of cities. And, you know, obviously New York is its own thing and Chicago is its own thing, but, you know, you go to Phoenix, you go to Idaho, you go to Detroit, which is the last big meeting. It's just, there's such different places and everyone knows that Vancouver is one of those uh, cities from a, again a planning perspective that you want to strive for of course it doesn't come it's also known as one of the most expensive cities everyone knows that like oh it's beautiful there but man how hard to afford to live there yeah and yeah i mean it's 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 exactly what you would expect i think 
So yeah, in terms of affordability, obviously that's kind of a pain point in Vancouver. There's the upcoming election this fall, Duncan. How is is ULI engaging uh, the process uh, moving forward? There's a lot of hot button issues here. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, obviously, as a nonpartisan nonpartisan organization, we don't take a formal stance on anything. But I think the key thing that we try and do is um, convene conversations, and that could be within our membership, within a community, or more more often than not, our focus is trying to have our members meet with elected officials in more informal settings to sort of say, hey. What are you thinking? What is your platform? Uh, what is your, uh, you know, your goals and objectives? And here are some thoughts. Here's here again, lending our members expertise to try and share the ideas. You know, oftentimes it is a fine line saying you should do X, you should do Y. And, you know, uh, for example, we are hosting roundtable discussions with uh, Vancouver mayoral candidates. We're hosting roundtable discussions with councillors and mayors in other cities. And I often moderate those discussions. And I always say this is not an opportunity to complain about your permit time, to complain about, you know, your density bonus payments or your CAC. It's, let's talk about the issues. And, and what we mean by that are those issues you just mentioned, affordability, the growing pains of a growing region. And we can share, where possible anyways, we can share, here's what other jurisdictions are trying to do to tackle it. Because we're not the only ones. I mean, there's city, you know, Seattle, San Francisco, even, you know, parts of Los Angeles. We're all struggling from the same thing. If you're a growing city and you're an elected official running in an election, you have that, you know, push and pull of, well, we know we need growth. We know we need development. We know we need to accommodate more people, whereas people don't want that to change. They want the things to stay the same. You know, in some ways, you know, Vancouver and the region are like a teenager. It's growing up. It's having those growing pains. So what can we do? to work with elected officials, share that knowledge to make sure that, you know, that at the very least they're equipped with the ideas that hopefully will lead to, you know, the wider goal, that excellence in city building. Right. And and these roundtables, uh, panel discussions are open to the public, it sounds like, because I think Adam's planning on coming down to talk about his permits issue. <laughs> <laughs> Got, they uh, they're for them. they're for member they're for members only. So if you become a member, maybe uh, maybe I can get you a Noah. <laughs> right. um, so so maybe as a final question, Duncan, where does ULI hope to see the city of Vancouver in the next five, ten years? I mean, there's kind of two. Uh, I'd have two answers to that. I mean, I think as an organization, we hope to see our role within the next ten years to be a part of that conversation, a part of that. Um, that growth in terms of we have that expertise, obviously locally, but we can bring in that expertise from other jurisdictions and sort of share here's how other, you know, whether you're a suburban, small suburban municipality, you know, you're on the outskirts, or you're right downtown Vancouver, here are what other cities are doing to tackle those big issues. And then in terms of the next 10 years, I mean, I think Vancouver is, it's, you know, I, I don't, how can you phrase it? I mean, I don't want to say you hear that all oh, Vancouver is at a crossroads. I don't think it's at a crossroads. I mean, I think it's been at a crossroads for 30 years. I mean, since what is Expo 86, you've seen constant growth and change and people moving here, whether it was a big influx in the mid nineties, whether it's, you know, around the Olympics and today, you know, it's, you know, Metro Vancouver originally said it was 40 something thousand people moving here a year over the next, you know, 40 years, it's an extra million and change people. And some cities are going, are surpassing that. 
are surpassing those projections. So the city, the region is constantly going to be facing these issues and it's how we tackle them, how we accommodate those people and do it in a way that focuses on that sustainable use of land, focuses on that excellence in city building. That's really what the next 10 years are going to be like. It's hard to show what that will actually look like because we don't know. I mean, that's why we want to participate at least in the conversation during elections, both you know, locally, provincially, and, and you know, to some, in some ways, we'd love to share conversations federally, but I think it, it just comes down to how are we going to accommodate that growth and that change. Fantastic. And, and maybe, Duncan, just before we let you go, we've got this segment called the Five Wire, Five Quick Questions About Vancouver. Can you, can you stick around for that? <laughs> sure. Okay. So question number one, what is your favorite neighborhood in Vancouver? West End, easy. Wow, that was no no thought about it. Wow, yeah, I used to live there. Great, great place, Adam. You, I, I you think everybody, to, I, I think, think everybody that's a rite of passage. Yeah. You have to start your Vancouver <laughs> existence in the West End. You got it. Uh, fa- favorite bar or restaurant? Ooh, that's a tough one. I mean, I think um, you know, favorite favorite place to just go and have a pint is probably somewhere in in. Uh, in the West End, you know, I have obviously a parcel to the Bayside Lounge. If you've ever been there to watch a, a sunset and look at English Bay, you can't go wrong, although they could probably have a better beer selection. And then, you know, uh, you know, in terms of uh, a restaurant, I mean, there's so many in Vancouver. It really is hard to pick. I mean, I would probably, you know, the Alibi Room such a classic spot. I was just there the other day. Uh, yeah, I mean, how could you pick them, really? Yeah, if you could have the Alibi Rooms beer list at the Bayside Lounge, that's uh, <laughs> now there, there, there's absolutely. a bar. Um, absolutely. <laughs> downtown Penthouse or Westside Mansion? Oh, downtown Penthouse. Man, that you know what's amazing about that is that question now almost everybody is starting to a- answer downtown Penthouse. There's a shift from maybe that's that's symbolic of a shift from the detached to the uh, the attached market. Yeah. But one thing's for sure, everybody makes the, it's not like somebody has to think about it. Right. You, you no. know. I mean, how, if you're five, if you're, you know, whether it's five, depending on the penalty, it's five, 10 minutes, 15 tops from the seawall, you can't go wrong. Yeah, fair enough. So question four, where do you bring someone from out of town, the first place that you bring them? English Bay. Everything's just in the West End. This is, this is, are, are you, yeah, you know, the seawall generally. How about the seawall generally? The, the, your world ends at Burrard. Yeah, more like Thurlow. I will say, I will add, though, I think uh, one thing, and, and perhaps this is my bias being you know, such an urbanite and wanting to show the city off, is uh, we, I've had a number of guests. Uh, professional guests and, and they will ask for tours and you know you take them on the seawall you take them to cool harbor you take them downtown you take them to olympic village but i also make sure i take them to chinatown gas town downtown east side because you got to see both sides of the city right right and and oftentimes the people that visit that's one of their their uh, favorite not in the sense that they like it they're shocked to see that while you have you know the glistening towers of cool harbor you also have the struggles that are in the downtown east side and i think that is an important part to show the city to visitors and i think that's a it's a really unique thing about the downtown of Vancouver that you can, within one block, the city dramatically changes. Well, the feeling of the yeah, city it's dramatically almost, but changes. But like New York right? City is like that as well. I think as it yeah. grows too, it's, yeah, block by block is, is pretty stark. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, so last question here for you, Duncan. What is one thing in the last year for say $500 or under that you've bought that's changed your life? That's changed my life? 
And it can be some. It could be an album. It could be a a gadget. It could be a book. A a Fitbit. (laughs) Matt's Matt's is a Fitbit. (laughs) Changed my life. Yeah. I don't know. I don't buy a lot of that that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I bought. It would have been two years ago, but I had to renew it. I mean, I I, this might sound trite, but I actually, from at least a life in terms of transportation, getting that that Moby Pass is just fabulous. Oh, and I good get around one. town. So that is actually fast. a that's actually a great one. So you use yeah, it a lot? I mean, oh, every day. Really? I used it this morning. Wow. See, yeah, and I mean, and my thought when no it, better way to get around. When it first came out, I was like, oh, I got my own bike. Why would I need that? And now it's so clear that the the bike sharing is is such a better way. You got to view it as an extension of a transportation network. You know, I was going to be I was going to be ten minutes late, so I hopped on the Moby and instead I was a few minutes early, right? Wow. I mean that that's that handiness of having it. If you have the path, that's what makes it so great. Whether you want to go on the seaball or you need to quickly get to a meeting, and they're everywhere. At least if you know downtown or in the urban core, you can get around so easy. So, you know, life changing. That's a bit extreme, but uh, certainly it changed the way I got around the city. Wow. No, that's a great answer. And actually, the Moby, we, we're just getting one at the end of our street in Strathcona. And uh, I think I think they're going out. They're out by you now, aren't they? Yeah. Like yeah. They're commercial out, drive yeah, area? Yeah, they are for sure. Yeah, they're on the drive now. Yeah. Well, and it's funny. Like I said, I didn't get that pass when it was first. I saw it at David Lamb Park like a couple of years ago when it first came out. And I was like, I got my bike. My bike's been in Adam's garage for the last year. Right. <laughs> it's like, you know, I think I should <laughs> oh, I should have got the pass. Bad. I'm yeah. getting the pass. We're we're all sold you on still that. Should. 120 bucks. That's it. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. Excellent. Well, hey, thanks for taking the time, Duncan. So how can people learn more about you and also ULI? I mean, the best thing to do if you want to learn about ULI is go to ulibc.org or just Google ULI or Urban Land Institute. Uh, you can add British Columbia if you want to get our local website. If you just want to check out ULI generally, that's just ULI.org. And really, but the best way to learn about it, and I encourage you both to come next time, is to come, even just as an entry, come to one of our socials. Come to, we do happy hours, we do socials, you get a chance, I'm usually there, someone from our leadership team is there, you talk to them, you learn a bit more about it, you have a pint or a glass of wine, that's the best way to to get the entry. And then obviously, from there, try and come to some of our events. We got a great event coming up in a few weeks uh, with three outgoing elected officials, should be a really good conversation. Fantastic. Well, maybe we'll leave it there. Thanks. Thanks again for taking the time. Not a problem. Happy to happy to answer questions about ULI anytime, and uh, hopefully we we'll stay in touch. So there you have it, folks. Our discussion with Duncan Vladarchuk. Matt, super interesting conversation with Duncan. Uh, those events actually sound fantastic as well. Yeah, you know what? It, the Urban Land Institute has kind of been something I hear about. It's in the ether, right? right? But but I was always a little bit unclear on what they did. But the idea that there's this group of really smart, thoughtful people that get together and, and try and shape the discussions uh, and talk about the challenges facing Vancouver and other cities, uh, it's... An exciting proposition. I think. I think it's something that uh, we should consider. Yeah, and you know, we're is. always looking for opportunities to volunteer. But uh, <laughs> well, we've been talking about this, right? Like, we do well, not. We do not volunteer enough, right? Um, you know, and uh, it's guys like Duncan who are volunteering. I mean, he's the chief of staff at Ani. Which, he's a busy guy. That 
you want to talk about a job with pressure, I think that would be a job with pressure. Sure. Uh, not saying anything about the Ani Group. No. It's a big group. It's, it's a, a big, big organization. It's, it's a, a big, big organization, organization. For sure. And then there's also, you know, last week we were talking about Kush Panach. The guy's, you know, got a huge development in Port Moody. He's also on the board of directors at, uh, at the airport. Impressive he people. He volunteers, you know, probably more hours in a week than I do in a year. Yeah. You know what? We can step up our game and I think it's time. Yeah, if anything is to be said about any of this, it's that we're not doing enough. That's that's exactly that's but exactly it. This podcast is a bit of a volunteer effort. It is. A, there's, <laughs> it can be. We definitely put in a lot of hours on it. Well, yeah, year three. Geez. Um, all right. Uh, what else do we got? We've got. Uh, thank you so much, by the way, for your feedback. Um, we would like more of your feedback. And yeah. The, specifically well, about things that we can do on the site. Right. Yeah. We've, we've been, you know, a lot of people get in touch every day and, and we really appreciate it. One of the things that struck me this past week is I've talked to two people right. that have said, hey, do you guys got a calculator that, you know, we can plug in the numbers and, and run for, this is for potential investment, investment properties? Yeah. And we're building one out now. I mean, well, we, we've had one. And, and I mean, now we're actually just building it out on the site. It, so we're well, yeah, exactly. Resources. That, that's, what I, that's what I meant. But it struck me, and I think you've said this in the past too as well, Adam, that there's an opportunity here uh, to build out this community and build it in a way that is most useful to the people who listen to this podcast. So we'd love to kind of get your feedback on guests, ideas for shows, Absolutely. Uh, resources for the website. What is most useful for you? Sure. And that's the thing. And you can get a hold of us on our website, of course, or you can just get in touch, give us a call anytime. These are things that we want to know, topics to cover. If you have an idea of a guest for the show, I mean, this is the kind of stuff we'd love to hear from you. And uh, like I said, we're always trying to grow this community. And one way, Matt, that you can grow the community is by telling somebody in your family or group of friends who might benefit from the information on this podcast about us. Absolutely. And if you're beginning a search or just want to monitor the market more generally, head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. This is your one-stop shop for all things real estate. We have private client services. Matt, if you are not using private client services, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. Absolutely. You get sold prices. You get listing updates 36 to 72 hours before public MLS. And basically, you get days on market. It's all just realtor-level information. It is the best research tool out there, and you need to have it for your search. You know, we always say we like to under-promise and over-deliver, and we've had a ton of people sign up for private client services, and the feedback is always so positive. So I think we can say that with 100% certainty. We also have that mobile app. Picture this, Matt. You're at the Bayside Lounge looking for Mr. Belding, and uh, he's not there. But what you do see is you see this beautiful building with a tree growing out of the roof. Is that Zach Morris? That is great. I think actually, I think I think uh, Zach Morris owns that penthouse unit. I'm I'm not sure who it is. It's either him or Mario Lopez. But let's uh, let's Mario Lopez. Yeah, absolutely. But you see that building, you wonder what's in there. So you just all you have to do is point the mobile app at the building. Yeah, you point your phone. You point your smartphone. Yeah, and it shows you listings in real time on your device. How amazing is that? Sign up today for the mobile search app at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. And Matt, how can people get in touch? Give me a shout anytime, 778-847-2854 or Matt at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. And you, Adam? Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or Adam at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. And we always have that nonpartisan line, info. At VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. I never know if you're going to say it or if I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm always trying to say I, it with yeah, you. Yeah, and You always decline. <laughs> what, should we, should we, we should be harmonizing that. Here, let's try it one last time. You just say it in your normal voice. One, one last time. 
info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Perfect. All right, guys, have a great week. We'll see you next time. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, you know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer, and they're looking for both donations, and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.